Welcome to another episode of the Activate CX podcast, where we demystify and clarify the direction of CX. My name is Frank Rogers. I'm your host, and I help brands grow with better CX, AI, and self-service. So today, we get into the dirt on what Five9 is doing with AI. It's a pretty cool subject. This is a two-part episode with John C. DeBaca at Five9. Let's go. Moving forward to today, you've deployed this across a multitude of clients, quite a few, obviously, large and small. From when you started to what you're doing now, what have you learned and what are you doing better? I think we're asking better questions, right? Uh, and we're also coaching our customers not to go too big too fast. Hmm. For instance, uh, that example I gave earlier where 80% of their calls could just do some, you know, gain some improvement through improving the workflow, right? Maybe using something like keyword spotting, intelligent call routing, and, you know, some directed dialogue, right? For those of you familiar with that, they get huge benefits from that. And it's not a natural language deployment. You don't have uh, generative AI in that mix. It's just taking the power of an IDA and applying it to that particular portion of the business. And then if they want to try to expand, you know, go after a new demographic through a new modality or add natural language, they can do it at their own pace. They can add it for a subset, measure it, see how they're doing it, tune and optimize it so that they're gaining the traction they need. They see the benefit that they targeted. And, you know, going back to your question, that's what's different now is we're asking the customers like, okay, don't go crazy, right? AI is out there. Natural language may not be for everyone. Uh, let's solve a problem, get some benefit. Let's introduce natural language, but we do it in a controlled, you know, manner so that we can measure success and tune it on a regular basis. Okay, that's awesome. So, and I can see how that would be the natural progression of rolling out, you know, a disruptive technology. You're trying to disrupt a lot of things, but one thing you're trying not to disrupt is yourself. So maybe we can flow into a conversation around implementation because ultimately for five nine that's really where you kind of set yourself apart from the rest of the industry it's been there's a lot of there's a lot of features and functions which are similar between companies and between platforms not to say that from a nuanced perspective they they do things differently and they do but but you really feel it differently when you move into implementation and five, nine has a lot of hardened processes. It's something that you're really good at. So let's talk about implementation, which is really kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? You've come out of pre-sales and discovery and, and expectations have been set. So this is the, the first phase of delivering on expectations. Could you maybe give us a feel for, an instance where you're working with a customer and you've encountered a very complex customer interaction and you had to unpack that. How did you do it? Yeah. So, so the key to our implementation is studio, right? So studio is a low code drag and drop interface. You can essentially, and we've developed what we call nodes, right? That have specific functions. So if you want an integration node, you can pull that over, you know, open it up and immediately you have some connectors are already there, Salesforce, ServiceNow. You can very quickly use a RESTful API to connect to others. We've got different kinds of greeting nodes. And so from the development standpoint, it really speeds it up. It, it's not very different than what we used to have to do 
with nuance and some others. And so that right there gives us a lot of flexibility. Uh, one thing I tell all my partners to do is to implement what they call a distribution node, which is an AB switch. Put that into every call flow so that you can iterate in the future and bring continuous improvement. And it sets in not only their minds, but their customers' minds that this is going to be a journey. It's not a one and done. So philosophically, I wanted to get that on the front end. From a customer deployments perspective, it depends on what they're trying to do. So let's talk about customers that have a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one customer there in the local government space. And after COVID, and by the way, there's a lot of customers that are in this situation. They, were, they had a difficulty finding personnel to manage the 911 and emergency services. And what they wanted to do was focus those individuals, which in many cases takes months, if not years to train, mm -hmm. high stress job. They're dealing with the public in extreme situations, mm -hmm. but it just so happens because of the way they organized, many of those uh, contact centers are actually taking non-emergency calls, right? Car, my car got towed. How do I get it out of, you know, Hawk? My, I got it. How do I get it? How do I file a police report? How do I, you know, contact the the, police, the jail and, or the justice center and, and what are the operating hours of the justice center? Those calls are landing and taking up time in many cases for individuals who really should be dealing with emergencies. So in this particular customer, we said, what are your, your principal challenges? And they shared them with us. And we said, okay, we've identified five intents because they wanted natural language. And as we started to capture the data, we realized that the five principal reasons that the customer thought people were calling for was actually closer to 12. So then we reiterated and added those. And then we discovered, discovered that there was a business operation that they didn't account for because they support other regional police departments. And we said, okay, how do you want to handle this? So in that example, right, because of the relationship we built in and set the expectation, we're able to grow that engagement for the customer and continuously add value because we were using the data captured uh, by the IDA to come back to them and say, did you know that XYZ is happening? Mm -hmm. In many cases, like, oh yeah, I did. I just forgot. Or, oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, and that's what we see a lot. And that's sort of the, the purpose of that story is that most of our customers really need help thinking about what they do. They've been doing it for such a long time that they don't always break it out in terms of you know, all the, the things that they touch and, and what the customer experience is, because uh, they, they're flying at a high level and they're only seeing things that sort of pop up with high frequency, but they forget the 80% of the, the requirements in that contact center or that customer interaction. Yeah, and that comes out in implementation, right? So like it's something that wasn't discovered previously, but I, I like that user story that you gave because as you're explaining it, the first thing that came to mind was, this is a triage situation. Correct. And in that, you have to move quickly because if it is something that needs to go to the city dump, <laughs> you need to transfer and take that off the line but and, and take it down a different path. But if it is something that truly fits the parameters of a 911 call, then you need to have rapid response on that. Was, was right. that a big challenge in this? Because you, you couldn't take people through five iterations and tons of questions that caused people to get frustrated or to actually be losing time on a true emergency. Yeah. So what we did there, we, we tried to do some interception in the front end and then that, that's a call deflection. 
that if it's emergency, let's get that to 911. If it's not emergency, let's try to manage it with an IVA on a published non-emergency number. So very quickly in the design level, we accounted for that. And then we had other examples. I'll give you one now that may relate to many of the customers or people listening. So we had another customer that they were selling services and they had two shifts and wanted to, you know, think about bringing on a third shift. And it was almost impossible for them to find people mm. uh, on that third shift. So instead we replaced the need to hire individuals to work that midnight, you know, to 2 a.m. shift uh, with an IVA. And the IVA essentially would run through a form, capture information, and in the morning, the sales team would actually have a warm lead. Uh, and because of that, they were able to, you know, essentially offset the cost of trying to populate a contact center, deal with the high turnover associated with it. But in that need, we knew exactly what the business case was, right? We could take the first and second shift. We could take the, the questionnaires that they were doing, create it in a format, and, they, and be able to turn it not into a handoff to an agent, but into a warm lead that somebody in the morning could then follow up through either voice interaction, email action, interaction, or some other modality. The AI iterates. I mean, we're getting a lot of user stories by industry, et cetera. If you were to say 100% of the user stories that are sitting out that you've encountered thus far, would you say that maybe, you know, 80% of them are very much reoccurring so that when you're getting into a new engagement with a client, you already have a body of knowledge of how you've addressed that, that 80 of those hundred user stories so that you have a, a certain level of acceleration. So almost every business is a little unique, but yeah, I would say that you, you can at least use the past experience to influence the next conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you another example. So in the healthcare space, there's this concept called revenue cycle management, where a lot of claims are rejected because one piece of data is missing. Well, guess what, right? The, the way that they're managed today is that you have to have a live agent call that individual, uh, and that takes up a lot of time and energy, and you're limited by normal working hours. Uh, right. You can send them a, a letter, right? But you know the odds of that return are, are fairly low, right? because most people think that it's a bill, not actually a question of how do you, do you actually get paid and, and resolve your claim. A better use that case there would be, let me just call you back, Frank, and ask you the piece of information that I need in, from your claim that I just didn't have. Like for instance, you forgot to check the box, am I a smoker or you know my marital status? Mm -hmm. but if I could just have an IVA call you and say, Frank, this is, you know, we're looking to process your claim. We need one bit of information. Could you please answer this question? You answer the question. We say, thank you. Well, guess what? That's a huge impact to not only you as a patient, right? But also to a medical group. That was uncovered by understanding how that revenue uh, cycle management worked. Without understanding of that process, we were not able to apply an IBA. But if you take any sort of business process, we can usually dig into it and find an opportunity to provide some level of automation or improvement by using artificial intelligence. That's complex. And I would imagine that in the implementation process that you uncover new things. And, and so as a result within with this particular type of deployment, is there a period, let's say from once it goes live, that the first 90 days has a significant amount of iteration that goes on just from like active response that you're getting every day and the, the analytics 
are providing you with data and insights that you know that this is not something that can wait 90 days. You really need to make that change today. Yeah, and I think you would break it up. Like first 90 days, you discover what you missed or what was not uncovered. And then ongoing, you're really improving the process. So in the first 90 days, it's about gaps, right? The, the, you know, the subsequent period beyond that 90 days is about iterations and improvement and optimization. Hmm. How are you planning for privacy and compliance requirements as you're going through the, the implementation phase? And then how do you manage and, and monitor uh, adherence to those? So, so I just brought up a medical example. So we are HIPAA compliant, right? We're extremely sensitive on PII and PHI information. Mm -hmm. uh, we offer services like 359 for encrypted data, right? Encrypted data in flight, encrypted data at rest, right? We don't like to store information. In fact, we pretty much don't store information on our sites. We're always uh, asking the customer that their responsibility for data is for them to maintain it through whatever third-party relationships or internal relationships they have. So data integrity is huge for us. You know, we have an international footprint. So GDPR is very top of mind for us. We're very mindful of adhering to that. Uh, from, an, from an IBA perspective, we recommend, and in fact, we won't even touch, you know, deployments that violate either HIPAA information or PCI, SOC 1 and SOC 2. Mm -hmm. So uh, data integrity and privacy is critical, and it goes very much into our deployment philosophy. That's great. I, I think that that's an important component. And when you're moving into, you know, the, the legal and operation side of the business, that's something that becomes more and more critical because it's exposure and risk. So from the standpoint of, as you're, as you're accumulating all this data, is there anything in the IVA componentry that is driving automation in the business? So it's always really been about automation to a certain extent, right? I mentioned PCI and payments, right? I'm surprised that I still run into a lot of customers that are having live agents take credit cards over the phone. Yes. Um, so that automation should be there. Uh, the banking industry's, you know, been significant in terms of driving, you know, IVR usage and they continue to innovate there. Now they're adding more security like voice biometrics and the IVA just folds very quickly into that. Like we had voice biometrics back in 2019 as part of the inference offering that's now part of I, uh, uh, 5.9. If you look at sort of uh, what's happened for automation in particular, you know, think about the insurance industry. And this happened almost so subtly that most people aren't even aware that it's, it's the way that we just do business now. It's the new normal. But think about it. You really don't call anybody to file a claim, right? They introduced applets, right? They introduced phone applications. We could take a picture and submit a claim. And that just happened. And now everyone doesn't even question that that's the way you file a claim with, their, with the insurance industry. That's what we see with IVAs and artificial intelligence. It's just, you know, entering different, different, different types of industries, establishing the new normal, and then people just become used to it. But automation drives all of that. The with kind of the advent, even though it's been around for a bit, but as we're starting to talk about it with respect to sales, customer service, do you see VR componentry coming into the picture anytime within the next 24 months for five, nine, or do you think across the entire IVA community that that is actually going to become a real thing? 
So I'm not seeing it yet. That doesn't mean that the product team isn't working on it. Uh, it's just not yet on the roadmap that I have visibility into. Right. Uh, but because we do have a platform approach, if it becomes viable and, and it makes sense economically, we have the ability to support it. Right now, what I see from a roadmap perspective is we're doing a lot more with reporting and data analytics. We're incorporating new technologies to solve particular needs like with DeepGram and with OpenAI. And as new engines become available and get tuned, we have the ability to incorporate them and then moving into industry solutions, right? Because 5.9 recognizes, and that's why we have this very robust partner ecosystem, that there are some organizations that may have a integration into EHR, the medical space, that it's better that they do it and let's just partner and then we make them uh, either a ecosystem partner or we look at incorporating them into the, uh, the platform. Mm -hmm. John, we get together, I mean, here at Royal 360 and with 5.9 to talk to customers on the regular around, you know, how they should be approaching AI, how they should be approaching self-service, what are they missing, what in just a real quick synopsis from your part, what would be the motivational advice you would give to a customer that's thinking about AI, thinking about self-service, what would be your, your 60 second, your 90 second, two minute pitch that would say, hey, this is why you need to think about this. First of all, I would say, don't be afraid of AI. Find a partner like Five9 that has the same philosophy, is really you know, built on a platform that has, gives you investment protection, really understands how AI can be applied in your business, uh, and then is gonna work with you to not only drive benefits today and solve those problems, but also help you make that journey. We're gonna be there as a partnership. We've got phenomenal NPS scores, it's well-earned. Uh, and we've got a partner ecosystem that is really designed to make sure that we've got customer top of mind throughout and that our AI solutions are going to continuously improve and we're going to be there with you. John, thanks for being on the show today. We really appreciate you. Uh, once you hang back in the green room, we'll talk to you in a second. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Frank. So there you have it. Five, nine. The dirt on 5.9 is they know what they're doing. So they've acquired technology, they brought it in, they've tied it into the rest of their solution, but they also sits out there kind of as a, a little nugget that you could drop in over the top of your existing contact center to bring about this IVA, this interactive virtual agent capability. One of the things I really like about it, as you can think about it in terms of how many of these you need, not necessarily transactions. That's a little bit of a different measurement. It goes along um, pretty simply with how we address and how we approach acquiring contact center today. This is very cool stuff. I think that they have kind of an edge because of the way that they've componentized their technology and the way that they're bringing it to market with an efficacy around implementation, which is really sharp. I really like it. Folks, if you want to be successful, let's go get it. If you like what you're hearing here, hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and like this. Share it with some friends. Let's go get it.